Hey everyone, this is Pastor Stephen. I wanted to thank you for checking out our podcast, and we hope that this message encourages you and helps you in your pursuit to live for Christ with everything you have. We hope you enjoy the message. Series called the Book of James, and what it is is that the Lord has laid on my heart to kind of go through a, a deeper study on the Book of James for the next several weeks. And I told you last week, get ready, because it's a long journey, and I already have it calculated out. So, yeah, we're not anywhere close to being done. I just want to warn you on that one. Brother Chip, I know, you're giving me that look like, please, just tell me we're already over with it. But last week, we we got into the scripture in the book of James in chapter 1. And and one of the things that I love about how God has a sense of humor when he tells his people to help write the books He just exposes us right in our mess sometimes when he said, count it all joy when you go through various trials. Let me tell you, I kind of laugh because Brother Jack, he's back there counting money right now. Um, He looked at me and he's been having a a flustering time with his new car. And I was like, Brother Jack, I know you're flustered, but you know the Bible says to count it all joy. And he says, you know, I preached that I don't know how many times. And I said, in 92 years old, you still are not old enough not to have to hear that again sometimes. So I just want to encourage you. How was your week this week? Did you count it as joyful, even through all the various things you encountered? Let me tell you, I had to count it as joyful chasing around a bunch of teenagers at the Canefield Fair. That's where my hair all went to. That's what I'm going to say this week. But no, in all seriousness... When you look at the book of James and when God is speaking to the, uh, the brother of Jesus, his half-brother, as he's writing this out to the letters, uh, trying to get to all the Jews that are scattered throughout the entire known world at the time and give them hope and, and, and to let them have an encouragement. I think it's funny how it just really attests to our society today. Because one thing's for sure the fact that the church at that time that James is writing to was scattered throughout all of the Roman Empire and even some parts of Asia Minor and all these, they were still dealing with all the struggles that were around them. And if you study historically, you know that it was similar to what it looks like today, it seems like. It's it's funny, because they always say history repeats itself, right? You've heard that said in high school? No? Am I the only one that listened to my high school social studies teacher? But in all reality, history has a tendency to repeat itself. If you look at the society of the Roman Empire, they worshipped all these different gods. They had people always fighting in a dog-eat-dog world to try to get as much power and authority. And better yet, if they didn't like you, they canceled you out. But the difference was the cancellation from then to today. If they didn't like you, they killed you. And today, they just want to just keep you to be quiet. And I say that not haphazardly in any way, shape, or form, but it's interesting when you think about the historical nature in which James is writing these original letters to and how it applies to us today. And this week in the scriptures that that we're going to look at, I think it's even more telling of our society of the hope that we need to have on, uh, hold on to a little deeper. And that is because one thing for sure is that we see the mess that we live in. And if you have your Bible this morning, will you go ahead and turn to the book of James? 
And yes, in the bulletin, it does have the scripture reference that we're going to read through and kind of study through this morning. And it'll be up on the screens if you don't have it, but we'll wait. So when you got it, let me know I got it. And if you don't got it, just say I ain't got it. And then we'll figure out what other Southern English words we can get out there. See, I got some South Carolinians in me, and I, and I can talk South Carolinian, even though I was born and raised Ohioan, and, and uh, yeah, it, it, it comes out in various forms. You should get me down into some hollers and out in Kentucky sometimes. You never know what's going to come out. But if you got it, say, I got it. See, participation. You guys get a trophy this morning. <laughs> but in the scripture, it, it, and James is talking to the church again, and he says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive a crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. Then desire, or then desires when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And when sin, or and sin when it is fully grown, brings forth this horrible, messy thing called death. But he continues on. He says, "Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. For every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of His own we were brought, uh, or up, of, of His own will He brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of His." creatures, or creations. Father God, Lord, I ask you to just touch this message. Lord, you've been stewing it in my head all week, Lord, but let it come forth to where it could be the edification of everyone that hears this. To allow it to have the ability, Lord, to give us a new reasoning and a new mind and a new hope for the times that we're living in. Because God, we need more of you in this world. And in your name, in your son's name, Lord, we ask this. And everybody said... You see, one thing that I love about James is that he's writing to us all entirely, and it matters right here, right now, when we read the words. That's why I love how they say that James is considered to be like the book of Proverbs in the New Testament. Why James, who is the, probably one of the smarter of all the disciples, is writing and articulating in a manner and a fashion of the things that we are going to encounter. But one thing that I know that he was really, truly trying to point out is this one and true fact. In your life, you will have this thing called a trial that you will go through, and you will have these things called temptations that you will have to battle all your whole journey. Paul alludes to it. He says, oh, I wish that this race that I won, I could finish it. But this wretched thorn in my side, as he always alludes to in his, in his text, he says, oh, I wish it would go away so it would make it easier. But the truth is, God is giving us these things to endure through. He's not giving it to us exactly, but he's allowing us to go through these, to do something in our lives to teach us. You see, James alludes to the fact that we are all going through various numerous trials. But he wants to seek to encourage you in this one truth. That if you can remain steadfast at everything that you encounter, 
there is something that will come through it. But one thing I have to ask this morning, what is the one thing that you've been going through that you wish you could overcome? Let you process that. Is there something in your life that you're living through today that you wish you could get through and you're waiting to get through it and you're f- hoping to, to finally push through that final edge? Is there something like that in your life? Yeah. Let me tell you, this pastor up here has a whole bunch of them. I can name them. Lydia, Julia, Rebecca, Bethany, Nora. They're my trial sometimes. But there are other things in our lives besides just kids that we have to raise up and desiring to make them responsible, God-fearing young men and women that, that, that can be a, a light to this dark world. There's other things that we might be encountering. It might be a struggling health issue with yourself or, or even with a spouse. It might be an addiction that you've been enthralled with that you've been trying to overcome and you keep going to God saying, God, help me get through this. It might even be just a workplace dispute. It might be that you're just trying to get through this week to pay the bills because you know the account doesn't have what you need in it and you're just trying to hold on a little longer. You see, what I'm trying to get at is we all go through these trials and we all have these things that we want to overcome. But we are called to do something that seems so... Lame, if you want me to say it. Remain steadfast. Last week we kind of talked about it, how it means to stand in the gap and just kind of get through it. I was talking to one young man not too long ago, and he was like, you know, I'm just going through a lot of hard stuff right now, and it's like crazy. I wish everything would work together. And I told him this one true fact, and I hate it the most. And I think I talked about it last week. And it's because waiting is a pain in the rear end. Did I, can I say that in church? Ah, I got one. Okay, w- waiting is not fun, so it's going to cause a little discomfort in our lives. But it's not about the waiting that's in the process. It's about the trusting and the outcome that will come through it. And that's what James is talking about. He's saying that you might be going through some seasons and some crazy stuff that might be messing everything up and not going according to the plan that you had set forth. But what God is saying is if you'll trust me and you'll wait and you'll keep going and you'll keep walking and you'll keep trying and you'll keep going through it all, I'm going to give you this thing called a promise. And this promise is this crown of life that you can hold on to. But it's not easy to always hold on to that promise and look forward to that hope every single day when we have the short-sightedness in this life. You see, we all look to the short-sightedness of how far can I get through before I run out of everything. It's like my daughter Julia. I don't talk about her all that often. Lydia gets all the brunt. Brother Chip would understand that one. But Julia is one of these ones that she knows She's always hungry. And she knows that I give her an unlimited amount of portion size because I have five kids and a limited amount of resources. And I got to feed them and I got to give them enough to make sure they don't starve to death, but I can't feed them all they want. But my kid has measured this out and knows that her sisters will not always eat everything I portion out to them. 
So what does she do? She scarfs down her food and she just hovers. Are you done yet? Are you done yet? Ooh, you got chips left over. Oh. But it's the truth. We have this short-sightedness in the effect of what we were willing to receive. But we always want to take things into our own hands instead of trusting the overall outcome. How often are we like Julia sometimes? Where God has given us a promise and he says to wait, but yet we go around and mess it all up because we're waiting for the other stuff that everybody else has around, hoping that we'll get scraps of theirs. I don't know about you, there are times in my life where I've got to the scraps of other people's junk and it's messed my life up even greater. It's caused more dysfunction. You see, one of the things that I always laugh about is because in my household, I have five daughters. And in my f- household of five daughters, it seems like they want to share everything. And I've learned that at that table, what they share is germs. And it always comes through their food. See, that's the only time. If you ever met Julia, sweetheart, when you watch this, I'm sorry, I love you. But she doesn't get sick. The only time she gets sick is by her sisters passing it on through the food that she eats because she waits and hovers. She didn't want to wait steadfastness until the next meal or wait steadfastness until I look at her and say, Julia, there's leftovers. Do you want the rest of it? She's hungry right then and right there, and she rushes through it. But that's the problem. You see, she looks at me a lot of the times and says, Dad, you just don't give me enough to eat. And I look at her and I said, Honey, you're not skinny as skin and bones. You got food and you got meat on your bones and everything like that. What's going on? And she says, it's because I'm struggling. You see, I look at her sometimes and I, and I, and I can understand where she gets this, this idea. Because I grew up in a household that was not the richest. Whatever we had, we scarfed. And whatever we could get extra, we did it. And I can see a lot of her personalities that came from me. You see, that's the struggle we all encounter, right? Because we all have inherited things or or received things from others around us. And what I want to just bring to light is the fact that when James is trying to talk to the church and he's trying to encourage the church, he's telling them, he says that, 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 that if we could stand the steadfastness, we'll receive the crown of life and we'll get the promise because of what God is loving us. But we know that we're going to get tempted by various trials and various different things. And, and, and those trials and these temptations, they're not from God. You see, there's a, there's a disconnect within humanity because so many people in this world today want to say all the evil in this world is all because of God. There's even a people that are saying that, that everything that's wrong with society is all because of the church and what God has done. But can I just attest to this one and only true fact? All of the evil in this world all started because of a choice. What do you mean? You see, there's things that are passed along in our lives that, that affect every single one of us, and they're always passed along in two different ways. One, let me see if I can pull it up here. Technology at its finest. There we go. She's got it up there already. Is an imputed sin. 
And an imputed sin is this thing that, that is derived from the original source of the original choice of Adam and Eve in the garden. It's something that you and each and every, or each and every one of us, you, me, and everybody in this world, all has in a direct relationship with Adam because of his choice to say, you know what, Eve, you might want it to be like God and no good and evil, and I love you too much to not let you go, <clears throat> go by yourself, so I ate from it too, and we're going to make a mess of everything in this world. You see, we all live in this fallen nature where we lose everything. But that also brings to light this one true fact that Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 10 and 13 when he states that no temptation or sin has overtaken that which is not common to men. You see, what I'm trying to get at is we live in this dark and dying world and we keep looking around going trying to make sense of how it's all messed up. But what we have to understand is that God is saying it got messed up in the garden. And if it got messed up in the garden and we all got that direct, in, if I can, imputed sin, if I can remember right, that means that there's a common sin variable that's in each and every one of us that we struggle with that brings root this thing called death within our lives that can cause us so much detriment in everything that we do and everything that we are. You see, I look around at the world today and all I ever see is this. I walk around every single day and I watch these crazy people doing all these things and my wife can't help it when I just say, honey, I just can't fix, they're stupid. Because they don't know what I know, what the Word tells us that there is a sin problem in all of humanity that needs to be rectified and fixed. But there's a problem within our own short-sightedness that we don't connect with it and relate to it in a manner and a fashion that lets us fix it right. If you've been in the church long enough, you know the fix is Jesus. It's never been anything but Jesus. Jesus is the fix for everything that's going wrong in the sin world because it puts us in a place where we don't have the old sinful nature, but we become a new creation in our lives. But can I tell you, Jesus fixes the imputed sin. He can fix the other type of sin that comes in, but that takes a little bit more struggle and a little bit more time sometimes because this other thing that comes into our life is what we call an inherited sin. And it's passed down through the generations that causes so many stumbling blocks in our lives. What do I mean? How are you like your parents? You ever take up a, a thought process and say, man, I just said that and I sounded like my mom or dad. Can I tell you, I woke up one day and I said, I love my mom and my dad. They're not perfect. I love them to pieces. I don't want to be a lot like them because I've seen the imperfections in them. I think that's what we all say, is it not? I don't want to be like that. I don't want to yell so much. I don't want to do that because I don't want to make my kids so angry at me. But I kind of find it funny when I'm raising my own kids and the next thing you know is I'm singing these weird random songs that have no lyrics at all and they're just coming out of the fly of my head and I'm like, man, that's my mom. 
where I go through the grocery store and I'm like, man, I am so meticulously reading all the labels. I know what the price is per ounce for each product. I know what's in the labels of the food products and all that stuff. And I'm like, that's my stepdad. You see, what I'm trying to get at is we all have these things within us that are called inherited. It's like I have green eyes because, or I have hazel eyes because my parents have hazel eyes. My kids have blue eyes. I don't know because they're related to Jesus. That's all I I can figure out. But what I'm learning is that this inheritedness that we have is not something that's easily given over. It's like the generational curses that are listed in the scriptures. A father that's an abusive father, the likelihood of having an abusive child, eight times as likely as a normal child. A child that's raised up with an alcohol-addicted parent is 50% more likely to do it because of hereditary issues. That they will never be able to put down the bottle because of that, that temptation. What about idol worship? You see, I kind of think that's more prevalent in our society now. Because we had a whole generation of people say that, that they knew better than God and they worshiped the money in the bank account. Or they worshiped the people and the successful labels that people put on them. Or they, or they started worshiping the labels of, of MTV or, or, or VH1 and all the idols that were on American Idol and things like that. And what do we see is we see our next generation that's worshiping YouTubers. And they're worshiping TikTokers and all these things. And we see the disconnect of this inherited sin that comes through the generations. You see, what I'm trying to get at is, is James is highlighting a truth in each and every one of our lives that we need to become aware of. We have to remain steadfast that when we are going through these temptations and these struggles and everything, it's time for us to start asking, where do they come from? The world wants to say it comes from God because they can't look in the inward self and see the mess that has been carried along the way in their life. They'd rather say, oh, I have perfectly red hair because my mama has red hair, but all my evilness inside of me is all from God. No, that's a lie from the pit of hell, and we need to start talking against it some more. We need to start correcting the misbehaviors that come from those kind of thought processes. Because what James is saying is, God does not have any evil within him, and he's not going to tempt you to go do evil. It, in fact, says that he will give you a way of an escape if you will pursue after him. And all that you are, and all that you do, and as you surrender it to him, you will see him change the inward man. But it's a struggle. It's a struggle each and every single day. Because we ourselves don't want to always hold on to the fact that when God speaks, it's true. I'll be honest. There are days I pick up my word and I start reading this and it cuts me so thick and I'm like, God, is that really what it is? You ever had those moments? When God starts speaking to you through the written word. And he's correcting and reproofing you to make you greater because of what he wants you to be. But yet all along the way, you're saying, God, I don't know if I can handle this. I don't know if I can do this. 
But yet it's so easy when we're going through a hard time when we go, God, I just need you to save me. I need you to get me along the right path and lead me beside the still waters and restore my soul. But God, I can't give you all of me. That's not remaining steadfast. That's remaining half sunk. That's waiting for the waters to come above your head and sink over you. But I know what the word says sometimes that people need to realize and take wholeheartedly into themselves. When Paul wrote in Romans and he says, we are more than conquerors because of what he does through us because he loves us so much. Let me tell you, I don't know who, this need, who needs to hear this right now, but if you're going through a trial right now and you're starting to doubt and get more discouraged and get more deep into a sense of depression, right now is a moment and a time where you trust him a little deeper, where you hold on a little tighter, where you do not let go any longer. No, I, I don't know who needs to hear this, but it's time to let it all go and trust God and everything you have. The world will only hold you down, but God wants to lift you up in every single moment and every single day of your life. But you have to do it. You have to get through these moments. Let me tell you, it's not easy. This pastor knows it's not easy. You think it's all roses on my side? No, you should see the dots and the dismarks and everything else that I chose down the road trying to appease this thing instead of appeasing the Creator. You see, what I need somebody to hear is the truth that if I'm called to remain steadfast and you're called to hold on to everything that you have, it's time to look to whom your help comes from. Because if you can do those words and hold on so tightly to God with everything you have and see Him for who He truly is, what you'll see is a God who's going to let you go through these trials to edify you. God doesn't tempt you with evil, but God lets you go through some fiery times to get you to be the more reproved version of what he needs you to be. It's like Abraham. Y'all remember Abraham, right? He was the father of faith. Man, I love reading the story because it just shows humanity at its finest. He's old in age, and God says, you're going to have a son. First reproof, he listened to his wife. I'm too old. You're going to have to go and get it on with the maidservant so we can have a son that way. And we see the mess that that comes from. When he tried to make his own way, when God said there was another way. And then we see the better way show up when Isaac comes forth out of, out of Sarah in a really old age. And let me tell you right now, old ladies, if you're or a little bit more seasoned, I'm not praying for a Sarah generation from you. I can't keep up with mine right now, and I'm not that old. But in all reality, it shows God's faithfulness through the journey. And then the last thing that God was reproofing Abraham with is when he told him, he says, hey, I want you to go up to the mountain and I want you to take Isaac and I want you to sacrifice him to me. 
and I loved his heart. Because even though God did not tempt him with evil, he tested him and see where his heart would actually fall. He says, God, I'll do whatever you say. I'll trust you with everything that I have. Because I know your ways are higher. Your ways are greater. Your love is deeper and more profound than I'd ever see. I'll do whatever you ask. See, that's the, that's the thing that we in our human flesh struggle with. And that's the thing that God's trying to get us to aware, get us more aware of. See, there's a lot of people in the church that's been sitting in the pews thinking they're good. And God's been all along trying to test you to see how far you'd get up and start serving. See how far you'd start getting up and start serving him with everything you have. I don't, it's not easy. Honestly, it gets a little, dis, just a little bit too uncomfortable sometimes. I mean, I'm imagining myself like Abraham. He's telling me to go become a minister. And I'm like, God, I don't speak in public. I did speech class. I got C's. At least I got a degree, right? But God shows his faithfulness. See, I don't know who needs to hear this right now. But I love the scripture when James finishes this off. And he says, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Because every good and perfect gift is from above. That's one of the scriptures I memorized when I was getting into my early faith. And it's coming down from a father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. What that's saying is if God said it, take it to the bank. If you're enduring some trials and struggles, take it to the bank. If you're striving to get through just the next few minutes, hold on. Because the God that made the promise, he's the God of lights. He's the one that spoke it over the world when he says, let there be light, and there was light. He's the one that created it all, and it says where there is light, the darkness has to flee. He's exposing the truth. He's exposing everything that's righteous, that is in his ways, everything that is holy in his manner. But what he's asking you to believe on is that if he spoke it, it's not ever going to change. See, there's no shadow in God that's ever going to change because there's no shadow because he is light. He is love. He is everything that you've ever needed. And that's what he's been making you aware of all of this life journey that you've been on. And he's just saying, hold on a little deeper. Hold on a little longer. Give it a little bit more time and trust me in all that you're doing. Because what he's promising you is like what 2 Timothy 4 and 18 says, the Lord will rescue every evil deed, or will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him, the glory forever and ever. Amen. What I'm trying to really get at this morning before we get ready to dismiss is that I don't know what you've been dealing with, I don't know what you've been discouraged with. I don't know. I wish I had ESPN so I could figure it all out. I know, I crack horrible jokes at the worst time. 
But in all reality, I wish I knew everything that you're going through. I really do. Because I would empathize with it. But God didn't make me to have that ability. But he does. He knows every itch, every hiccup. He knows even every hair that's on your head. For some, that's easier to count. He knows all of it. And if he knows all of those things, why do you doubt what he speaks? Why do you get discouraged and want to turn to the left or to the right? Why do you get so awestruck with your moment that you lose your awe of the heavenly? That's why Jesus, when he says, let, us, let me teach you to pray, he says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. He's trying to get you to become aware that there is got to be a place in your life where your steadfastness is rooted to him, where your hope is rooted to him. And every single moment and every single day, and every single negative interaction, and every time somebody cuts you off on the road, and every time your husband doesn't do what you want him to do, or the wife does the same thing, or, or when your kids are, are misbehaving, or whenever it seems like it's all falling down around you. What he's saying is, remain steadfast, and I'll show you every good and perfect gift that will come down in its due time. It's not a prosperity message. It's never about prosperity. It's about a truth that if God loves you so much, he'll give you what you need in the proper time. He's not going to make you rich. He's not going to make you so boastful that you're going to say, I have it all. But he's